Come on, give the Lord a real good praise offering this morning. Amen. Blessed. Hallelujah. We are blessed. Amen. And happy Father's Day to all of you fathers. Amen. It's good to be here on Father's Day. I'm going to ask you to, if you have your Bibles, to open up to the book of Job. Job chapter 1, beginning in verses 1 through 5. And I'm going to ask you, also I'm going to ask you if you could remember to pray for uh, my sister and her family. Uh, she lost her husband this past week. And so I just want you to keep them in prayer, the Mayfield family, uh, for God's grace and presence uh, in their lives. Amen. Job chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. And this is what it says. And I'm reading from the New International Version of the Bible. It says, In the land of Uz there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. And he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. His sons used to take turns holding feasts in their homes. They would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When a period of feasting had run its course, Job would send and have them purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. Father God, I pray this morning that you would speak to us through the words of this story, that you would help me to communicate what it is you desire to say to us. And I pray, Father God, that your peace and your presence would be here with us. What you were doing by your spirit in Job's day, you would do today. Father, we thank you this morning in Jesus' name we pray. And God's people say, amen. 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 You know, this book teaches us a whole lot about spiritual things that we would not know without this book. Without this book, there are some things that we just simply wouldn't know. Like one of, one of the, for an ex example, is that it, it teaches us that pain and suffering doesn't always happen because of wrong behavior. Sometimes... Pain and suffering happens to provoke wrong behavior. That the devil showed up in this man's life, a righteous man, and he brought pain and suffering, not because Job did wrong things, but to force or to provoke Job to do something wrong, to change the direction of his life. If you didn't know this, I'm going to let you know this morning that Faithful living before God, living happy before the Lord, faithfully serving God. What it is is a taunt to the devil. It makes the devil uncomfortable. It torments him to hear about or to see someone that lives with success, living right before God, living with, uh, without the, the guilt and shame of past wrongs. When you've been forgiven, you've given it all over to God. That is a torment to the devil. That's why when the devil showed up, God says, hey, have you considered this man? He is blameless. You know, that is just like 
That's like heaping coals upon, upon, upon Satan's lap. It just torments him. And this book shows us about this righteous man. It's a story of a righteous man who consistently did things right. And there were a couple of things that stands out in these first few verses. First of all, he was faithful to the Father. Faithful to the Father. And that's been our theme this, this month, faithfulness. He was faithful to the Father. He was also faithful as a father. But as a righteous man, the Bible says that he feared God and shunned evil. And it tells us that there in, that, in the first uh, uh, few verses there, that he feared God and he shunned evil. That he was faithful to the Father. To fear simply means to be afraid of him. To be afraid of God. Now I've heard it over and over again that, well, it doesn't mean that we just are actually really afraid of God. We just respect him. I, and I've heard that. And, and, I, and I like that description because it makes God very personable and approachable. So people will say, well, I respect God, but I'm not afraid of him. Well, I want to tell you this morning that Job was afraid of God. He was afraid of him, afraid to cross him, afraid to grieve him, afraid to disobey him, afraid to lie to him, to dishonor him, to disrespect to him. He, he was afraid of God. He was afraid of him. He was afraid to, to live right he, or to live wrong because he knew that God was watching. him. This was a real fear for Job, the kind of terrifying fear that reminds you that you're not in control. Someone else is in control of my destiny. Someone else can make the rest of my day go right or go horribly wrong. Someone else is in control of my life. I'm afraid of that person. I'm afraid of the God who can turn things around for me. I'm afraid of him. I, I believe in fear for God. You know, not just respect. We need to respect God. But there are people, I'm telling you, that will respect God. I, I respect, there's people that respect people, but have no fear for them. There's people that respect God, but have no fear for, of God and who he is. Some people are more afraid of earthquakes and tornadoes and, and, and fires than they are of God. Some people are afraid of spiders. I've seen spiders clear out a room, a, a whole room. A spider go in the closet, I ain't wearing them clothes no more, right? Debbie, you got to get dressed, though, you know. <laughs> there are some people afraid of, of things far more than they are afraid of God. They'll push the boundaries with God. People will push the boundaries. They'll cross the line with God. They'll trespass his word. They'll trample over his covenant of God. And, 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 and you know, God can, can show up and people won't be phased at all. We worship God and, and, and God shows up and people don't even know it. But a spider come in the room, they'll know it. They will run. They will back up. You know, they recognize. So fear does things. It is, they say, psychologists say, one of the most powerful motivators is fear. It's a negative motivator but powerful. You put a spider in close proximity of somebody, man, it'll, it'll, it'll clear things up, right? All throughout the Bible, men and women of God feared him. And whenever God showed up, they would hide their faces. 
people would hide their faces. You know why? They, they would like, oh man, God is here and he sees me. He, I, don't want, I don't even want him to see me. I'm messed up. Remember Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6? You know, and he was there in the presence of the Lord and, and the, even the angels were hiding their face. They were hiding their face from, from God as they were flying around God and, and, and shouting out, holy, holy, holy is, is he who, who, who is, you know, and, and they covered their faces and their feet. They didn't want to disrespect God or dishonor God. And he says, man, woe to me, I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. Man, I've been saying things and, you know, talking out the side of my neck and I'm standing in front of God. And he felt ashamed. He felt afraid until God touched his life. He feared God. Men and women of God who feared him, they would hide their faces. They would fall upon the ground. They would repent and ask for forgiveness. In fact, Job had such a fear of God that it ordered his life. It made him live the way he did. And he was a righteous man. In fact, it was God who declared him righteous. There are things, some things that Job would never say. There are things that Job would never do. And it's not a respect thing, it's a fear thing. I'm afraid to go there. I'm afraid to walk down this path. I'm afraid to take this place, you know, this, take this risk with my life. I'm afraid to put my family out there. I'm afraid to put my, my name out there, to, to go on Facebook and say some things that I shouldn't say. I'm afraid because I fear God, not out of respect, out of fear. So how much did he fear God and what did he do? The Bible says that he feared God so much that he shunned evil. Now to shun means to avoid or to ignore. And I'm sure that, I don't have to tell you this, but sometimes evil is hard to shun, right? Sometimes evil is luring, appealing. Sometimes evil feels better than just the regular feeling. Hello, we want some evil in our lives, right? We look for evil. I've said it before, man, if, if you go to the bakery, you want devil's food cake or angel's food? Angel's food is spongy stuff, man. Nobody wants angel food. We want the devil's food, right? That's like better stuff, right? Why is that? I have no idea. But give me some devil's food. <laughs> I don't know. Right? Rich. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But we like the evil stuff. It seems funner. seems better. It's more desirable than fearing God. Sometimes evil calls your attention. And it doesn't call us with an annoying voice. Evil is never annoying. It's, it's luring, enticing. It's not annoying. The Bible says that Job feared God, but he shunned evil. He avoided, ignored evil. It's not that it wasn't there. It's that he ignored it. He shunned it. He put it off. And that's what made him faithful to the Father. And not only was Job faithful to the Father, as I mentioned earlier, he did two things right. He was also faithful as a father. The Bible says in Job chapter 1, verse 4, his sons used to take, turn, hold, take turns holding feasts at their homes. And they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. 
And when a period of fasting had run its course, Job would send and have them purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. Job was concerned about the what if. What if? I'm going to live my life in the what if. What if they said something? What if they did something? What if there was some secret activities going on at those house parties? In the back room, you know, not, not out in the open. Maybe there was something happening that I don't know about. And, 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 they, and then they left the door open for Satan. Maybe they gave the enemy a foothold, a way into our family, a curse upon us, shame upon us, a bad name in the neighborhood, right? What if? And he's thinking this as a father. What if? Can I live with myself knowing that perhaps my children made some mistakes? Can I live with myself giving them all that I've given them, doing all that I've given them? I've provided everything for, for them to have these parties. It, it was his wealth that they were you know, enjoying. He, he provided good things for them. And it's a blessing. He provided good things. But what if they misuse? my generosity? What if they misuse the grace that I have extended to them? What if they misuse the allowance, the space that I give them, the privacy I give them? What if they misuse it and I don't know anything about it and they're saying things and doing things that I totally would disagree with had I known it? What if? The Bible says, just in case, Job would send and have them purified. And he'd wake them up in the morning. I don't care how late you were up last night. And he sent them to church. <laughs> right? Job shared his faith with his family. He shared his faith. I remember, man, there were times when I was a kid, my mom used to force me to go to church. I'd try to pretend like I was asleep. I'd be in my pajamas. She'll send me. I went to church one time in my pajamas, you know. I tried. I, I'm sure I told you a story before. I even took a thermometer and I heated that thing up with a match. I got that thing, you know. Surely she'll make me stay home, you know, if she sees how sick I am. She took that a thermometer and said, 130 degrees. You definitely need Jesus, you know. Get your butt up. <laughs> Only Jesus can heal that, you know. He got up early, eager to meet with God on behalf of his children. He got up early. Job wasn't certain about any wrongdoing. He, he didn't have any, you know, parental intelligence on them, right? He, he didn't have any information about it, no rumors about it. But he, even though he wasn't certain, he says, man, I am eager to go to God on behalf of my family because I love them because I love them. He loved his children. And in the same way he feared God, he also feared the possibility that his kids might have gone astray. They may have strayed off somewhere in their hearts that I don't know about. I'm gonna do everything I can, everything I can to win them back. For, for Job, man, this is my calling. Being a parent isn't just a task. It isn't just a, a response. This is my calling. This is what I do before the Lord. I don't own my kids, but I do own their childhood. 
And I'm going to do the very best I can to point them in the direction of the God that I fear. He was, a, he was fearful of losing them, fearful of seeing them struggle in life. I don't want to see them struggle in life, making a, tripping over stuff that they, they should be able to clearly see. I don't want to see them struggle through the things that I struggled through. So out of his care and concern for, spirit, for the spiritual welfare of his children, he offered sacrifices. I'm going to offer, it's going to cost me. And for him, it may have been sheep and goats, and he'd sacrifice these things. For you, it might be time. It might be time. It may be taking some time. It may be bringing them to a place where God can grab hold of them. Maybe sacrificing another way. I don't know if you have sheep and goats to kill, but, but you do have time. As far as Job knew, he did everything necessary for the well-being of, of his children. He, he gave them a good upbringing, good education. And like every other parent, he had a hope that they would grow upright. That's what we desire. But what they might do in their own hearts or, or, or say with their own hearts or, or do on their own when they're on their own by themselves, that's beyond his control. I, I can't control that. So if in the course of their feasting and the parties, they inadvertently curse God in their hearts, Job wouldn't know it. So I need to take the approach to say, what if? So he was precautionary, just in case, because we need God. We need God. We need to worship God. We need to fellowship with God and with others, believers. I've said it before. The Bible says it so clearly. Iron sharpens iron. Like one man to another or one sister to another, we make each other better. We sharpen each other, being around each other. We can't give that up. We can't give up the fellowship of the, of the saints. Job didn't hold to the philosophy of letting his children choose their own path. M many parents have that philosophy. I'll, I'll just let them choose their own path. Job didn't have that philosophy. Job says, this is the path. This is the way you need to walk in this way. He's, this was his, his, his focus for his family. This is a part of what makes him righteous. Out of all the things God could have shown us about Job's life, what makes a man righteous like this? What makes a man to be the man that's above reproach? What is it? The only thing we know is about his fatherhood. That's all we know about him. That he feared God, he shunned evil, and he cared for his children. This is enough. This is what God wanted us to know about the man, the Bible says, is the most righteous man. Now, of course, he lived before our day. He lived, be you know, I wasn't born yet. So, I mean, we don't know about everybody, but, but definitely we know about Job, right? Righteous man. So he'd get up early in the morning and would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, calling out to the Lord for each of them by name, presenting them in his prayers, thanking God for them in his worship, interceding for them, praying for them, pleading for God's forgiveness. This, this is huge. 
This is huge. Out of all the men that ever lived, besides Jesus, Job is the only God that only guy that, that God boasts about. He doesn't boast about anybody else. Look at what he's doing. Look at this, this man. The Bible tell, tells us that when the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, Satan came with them. And you can read it there in the, in the first chapter of Job. Satan shows up with all the angels, the angels at whatever it was, conference, meeting in heaven, I don't know what it was, but all the angels come to report to God and here comes Satan. Man, you're a fallen angel. You don't belong there anymore. But he shows up. He shows up in heaven with all the angels. So the Lord said to Satan, hey, where have you come from? And Satan answered, from roaming through the earth, going back and forth in it. If you can imagine that. In other words, man, he was searching. He was searching for his next victim, seeking who can I devour next? Who can I deceive? Who can I accuse next? Whose life can I destroy? Whose family can I mess up? Looking for an opportunity, looking for someone to leave the door open for him to come in. Whose family can I bring chaos in? Where can I create confusion and misunderstanding? Destroy trust, break unity. Where can I mess up? He's roaming the earth. God said, where are you coming from? Oh, I've been back and forth, man. I've been in Inglewood, Lenox, man. You know, all these different cities, you know, door to door, house to house, room by room. And it was God who said, oh, is that what you've been doing? Have you considered my servant Job? Now, now, you might think, that's kind of messed up, God. Don't give him my address, you know. <laughs> you know? You know, this, like, like, you know, yeah, you know, go, and he gives the, the address, phone number, and all that stuff, a description. But God says, have you considered my servant Joel? Have you been to his house? Now, now, now that, that takes some confidence on God's part. Do what you do. Go, go to his house and try all that. And, and, and I'll show you what it is when a person fears me. Try, try what you want on, on him. H have you been to his house? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns e evil. Right? You can take his money. You can take his home. You can take his health. You can take his family, his children, and his wife, but because he loves me, you're not taking anything at all. You're only wasting your time because he is faithful to me and those that I've entrusted him with, his wife and his kids and his servants, right? I can't help but to bless him, God is saying. I can't help but to provide for him. I can't help but to watch over him. Go ahead and take his health and I'll give it back to him. Right? Take his, take his wealth. He stores it up in heaven anyway. You can think, you think you're taking his wealth, and you think that wealth consists of the things that we have on earth, but this man stores his treasures up in heaven. Take what you want. You can't touch it. I'll only increase it. Take his children. 
Man, he's covered his kids with the blood every day. Even if they died, my covenant of sacrifice is enough for them. Take his, do what you want. They're safe. He is safe. He's a good man. You can't touch this guy. Go to his house. Here's his address. And he gave the address, right? And sure enough, Satan went. And he, give, he, he did the best he could, man. He, he brought the worst of the worst. And you can read about it. He brought the worst that he could possibly. He uses nature. He uses storms and natural disasters. He uses wars. This is an expose about the devil. He did everything to destroy this man's life. Took everything he had. Everyone he loved, he destroyed it. He, he, he even made his friends question him. The Bible says that he was the greatest man in the East. All of a sudden now his closest friends are questioning him, rebuking him, and, and nobody, even his wife, curse God and die. She told him, why don't you curse God and die? Just give up. Kill yourself. You know, curse him. But you can't touch Job, right? He was faithful to the father, and he was faithful as a father. So, so this morning, I, I want to ask you, you know, are you faithful to God? Are you faithful? One of the things that I see that really stands out to me in Job's life is that he anticipated these challenges. You know, the holiness and the happiness that we have in God, it brings shame and torment to the devil. The devil doesn't like it, and God knows that. And that's why God says, hey, look at my servant Job, and check him out. Job lived in expectation of a future. He lived prior to the event. He lived prior to the challenges, and he expected the challenges to come. He expected the trials. This is why he sacrifice for his children prior to the fact maybe maybe I don't know I haven't heard anything I don't know anything but I am going to sacrifice those aren't wasted sacrifices it's not wasted if you don't know man I should have saved that one up no it's he sacrificed just in case and it just made him better made him stronger to live in anticipation of challenges means that you anticipate struggles. You anticipate warfare. You anticipate confusion. It's going to come. Misunderstanding is going to come. Eventually it'll come. It'll come between the most communicative people, those that communicate more often, loving each other, sharing words of inspiration and hope, texting all day long, somehow confusion will show up somewhere and to live in anticipation of that means that you do everything you can ahead of time job did that you get ahead of it you take control of that job didn't wait until his children were overwhelmed with the consequences of their decisions he was proactive and job lived in in anticipation of these challenges Fatherhood or parenthood, man, it, it's, it's a challenge. It's a calling. It's a calling. You know, this, this past week was, it was 
interesting. I, I met a, a, a retired district attorney, you know, just so happened to met this guy. Retired district attorney, the most hated person in all of Southern California, right? A district attorney. I don't know why, you know, but yeah, and so he, we, you know, we're talking. He, he told me when we first met, yeah, you know, he was a retired district attorney. He asked me what I did. I said, oh, I'm a pastor. Oh, really? You're a pastor? So we started talking. He started talking about, you know, pastoral stuff, church stuff. And he was like super interested. I said, praise the Lord, you know. I'll tell you what it was, you know. So he started talking. Then he said, what church do you go to? I said, Victory Outreach. And then he like stopped. Now remember, he's a district attorney. <laughs> he's a prosecutor, right? And he said, and, and, these are his exact words. You mean the prison people church? <laughs> the, the prison people there? I, I said, yeah. He said, oh man, I met a lot of those people. <laughs> and, and I said, like Juan Delgado? And he said, yes, yes. <laughs> Gary Goodar? Yes, yes. And then he said, Randall McCreary? And I said, yes, yes. <laughs> But, but the one thing that, that he was fascinated by was how Jesus changes lives. He could not, he, that he could not fathom it, and he, and he couldn't stop just think. And he was a believer. He couldn't stop thanking God for the changes that happen in people's lives. And, I, and, I, and one of the things I told him, it is a calling. It's a calling. We, we don't look at it as just something we do as an alternative. We are called to this. You're called to parenthood. If you are called to something, when things go up or down, when things get hard, you remember it's a calling. God is on the other side calling you through the fires, through the raging waters, through the storms. If he is calling you, you'll arrive at that destination. Amen? Live it out as a calling. Live it out in anticipation of trials, but live through it as a calling. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. Father God, I pray this morning. I pray for the kind of, of fear that is not paralyzing, but that is motivating. A fear that causes us to move, that causes us to act. The kind of fear that brings reverence that brings respect, but doesn't deny the fear. I pray, Father God, that you would move in our hearts in such a way that we would recognize you, and that as we, as we look to you and as we, as we worship you, Father God, that we would recognize your presence. And, and out of fear of, of where we have perhaps stepped out of line, missed the mark, that we would repent.
fear enough to draw us back to you, not away from you, but to walk with you in uprightness and integrity. Let our righteousness torment the devil. Let our holiness torment the devil. And all that he could have had, I pray, that we would possess. Fellowship with the Father, being in your presence, joy and peace everlasting, everything that goes with being with you, near you, I pray for your people here this morning. I pray for the fathers that are here, Lord God, your blessing upon them, that you would meet their needs, that you would provide for them, Father God. In these last days, being a father is not easy. I pray for those, my God, who face difficult circumstances being a father, being separated from their children. Uh, I pray, Father God, for your grace upon them. And I pray that you would make every, every, every possible way, Father God, to reunite families, to destroy dividing walls, but be glorified. I pray for those that are suffering, Lord God, the loss of their fathers. I pray your grace and your presence. I pray, Father God, that you would strengthen. We thank you this morning in Jesus' name. And God's people say, amen, amen. Hallelujah. If the Lord has spoken to you, we're going to open the altars. You know, God is able to provide for us the same way he provided for Job. This is a story about God, about what God is able to do, what God is able to do to those in the lives of those who fear him, who fear him with their whole lives. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.